When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. Uh, This is a Farhad Mashiri third anniversary special. And today I am joined by John Blaine, co-founder of the excellent Everton Business Matters podcast. But today, talking to me as also as chair of the Everton Shareholders Association. John, we've met... Yearly since Farhad, we have yes, uh, yes. Mashiri's arrival at the football club. We spoke on the day of uh, of his arrival in, in 2016. Three years on, uh, we're back to discuss Farhad and, and his influence, his ups and downs, if you like. And but particularly in the news in the last 12 months has been he's increased his shareholding to uh, 68.5, 68.6 percent um, with a commitment for no later than July of this year to take that beyond 77 percent. Can you explain to our listeners what the significance of those figures are, if there is any, and what does that change for, for Farhad at Everton? Um, oh, good question. As far as what does it change, I guess the material change would be when his shareholding went in excess of 50%, because then literally overnight he stops being the largest shareholder and becomes the majority shareholder. Um, when we before we started this, you were talking. Does it in, in, impact upon voting rights and things mm. like that? Um, when he had forty nine point nine, whatever. Um, clearly, technically, people might say he could be outvoted. Yeah. In practical terms, he couldn't right. have been outvoted because there's obviously not everyone votes and, and all those sorts of things. Um, once he was above fifty percent, then actually it is his football club. Mm. He can do broadly what he wants. Um, tidying up the shareholdings and, and, and some of those larger shareholders uh, divesting some or all of their shares doesn't necessarily uh, change that materially. Yeah, And certainly from a uh, members and, and, and the minority shareholders who I represent, it does take him closer to the percentages where perhaps he could take total control. But as I've probably said publicly more than once, that's not his intent. So I don't think it's hugely material, other than when we find out who it is who's selling their shares, whether those people then, uh, you know, are effectively detaching themselves from the football club. So given that Farhad, you know, as you rightly say, effectively already had that control, why, why has he gone and taken a greater share and why is he committing to taking an even bigger share? What's in it for Farhad in that respect? Um, it, that's a good question and uh, without speaking to Farhad, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily... But maybe from, from a, um, a business view generally, why would an individual want to take that much of the shareholding when he already previously had the influence uh, um, that he would have wanted? I think, to be, to be candid, I suspect it's more to do with somebody wanting to sell their shares 
right. rather than him necessarily wanting to buy them. Okay. I mean, that sounds a bit daft, doesn't it, really? But, you know, there, there are reasonably substantial shareholders out there who I think we will find in the summer are no longer shareholders or certainly not as, as large a shareholder as they have been in the past. I mean, I guess in recent times, an obvious example will be John Woods. Yes. You know, if John wanted to sell his shares, then you would expect that Farhad to protect his his previous investment would rather pick those up than let somebody else get them. Right, but that was that that from what we understood at the time, John, and I, I, it was always planned. Yeah. yeah. So, so is, you're saying in a nutshell there that that these shareholders, as you say, John as an example, were saying, right, I'm I'm willing to sell my shares. So far, I had to protect himself from another investor coming in and having that almost Arsenal esque, if you like, battle where you have fairly chunky shareholders in, in, in sort of conflict with each other, he says, OK, well, I'll, I will buy them and, and, and make this very much... Yeah, quite possibly, right. yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you could ask different people the same question and get different views um, because um, one thing Evertonians are quite good at is guessing with minimal information. <laughs> um, but you're right, yes. If somebody was to seek to acquire a shareholding in the football club that, for example, exceeded 10%, and you make your reference to, to what Farhad... Uh, and and his friend had at <laughs> Arsenal, um, then you can have over 10%, which gives you the potential to call general meetings or extraordinary right. ones and things like that. And, and you have to decide whether you're prepared to exercise that right yeah. or not and the frequency with which you may exercise that right. But if no individual shareholder can get anywhere near having 10% plus one, then you take away that concern, that yeah. threat, whatever. So I suppose... Very sensibly then, you know, uh, for an individual who's intent on controlling a football club or continue to control a football club, its direction, etc., that is something that Farhad just has to do. Um, I'm not sure he has to. Right. And, and it does get particularly complex because of the man has invested a significant amount of his mm. personal wealth in the football club. And as um, the previous chief exec was fond of saying, with no interest, no predefined payment period, that's both, both a plus and a negative for the football club. One is, I guess, potentially could call that lo those loans in mm. on demand. Uh, the other one is that when, when time comes... Uh, if the club ever gets into a place where it wants to give dividends and, and the like, then others may benefit from Farhad's investment. Yeah? Right, OK. Um, because clearly it, the football club has been loaned that money, but it's come out of Farhad's pocket. So broadly, the bigger percentage he has in the business, the more he protects both his future, current, and maybe even future investments. What, what, what are the sort of um, regular and... and, and sort of um, typical uh, concerns maybe or, or questions that you maybe feel from, from shareholders who are part of the association, which you obviously represent on a wider basis. What are they asking you to make representations about to the football club and, and whenever you do get to meet Farhad? Um, lots of subjects, really. <laughs> um, on, on this um, matter, which is about shareholdings, mm -hmm. I think... Um, and Farhad told me in the very first meeting I had with him, it was not his intention to dilute the minority shareholders. Now, clearly, if he's only acquiring shares from the majority, those guys, when they were put together with the majority shareholders, and we're thinking fundamentally here about Robert Earle, John Woods and Bill Kenwright, um, prior to recently, they're really the only places he'd picked his shares up from. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I, I can't remember the exact numbers, Phil, to be honest, but they had between them 65 to 70%. Yes. Yeah? So it's quite clear that if he's going to go above 70%, then he's acquiring shares from somebody who I may consider, whilst quite a large shareholder, 
uh, or shareholders were in that minority yes. group. Yeah. Um, but somebody who has maybe over a thousand shares, you can hardly call insignificant when the shares may trade for three, four, five thousand pounds or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think in real terms, the, the uh, minority shareholders should emotionally be those thousand plus people with one share each. Yeah. And I think if Farhad has no intention of um, diluting those people down, then people like myself, I have more than one share, but yeah. I'm in that bucket, if you will. People like myself who have made an emotional investment rather than a financial one. In, in other words, I don't anticipate getting a return. I'm not sitting on, on my shares, so one day Farhad will offer me lots of money for them. <laughs> um, but those people are, are important, I think, very much so. And, and, and in, in, in real terms, they're the people we represent and they're the people who will ask questions. And it is quite interesting because we get asked this quite often by the football club. How many members have you got? You know, you know, if there are whatever, I can't remember what the current count is, but if there's maybe 1,400 shareholders and 10% or less of those shareholders are members of the association, how representative is the association? Mm. Um, I guess the answer is when those minority shareholders feel threatened or they feel something is wrong, they all flock towards the association. Um, and so it ebbs and flows between not very many members yes. to huge numbers of members. Interestingly, um, whether they're members of the association or not, they still come to people like me and ask questions. <laughs> yeah. And the questions they ask are things like that. I mean, around the time of a general meeting, of course. you know, they may ask questions. In fact, they often do. I think one of the most uh, common questions, actually, um, from multiple shareholders, privately, I mean, uh, th those people not prepared to be known publicly, yeah, yeah. was things like, well, OK, we know the largest, uh, sorry, the, the biggest earner last year earned whatever it was, a million quid. Who was it? Hmm. And people want to know those sorts of things. And they're fundamentally about curiosity more than anything else. Um, those more worldly wise people are really maybe concerned, you know, around what may happen in the summer. Because once you get within range of... Mr. Mashiri taking full control. So just just sorry to interrupt there, John. Talking about full control, what figure would, did that have to oh, reach? Oh, sorry. When I say full control, I mean when he's got 100%. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, he, he won't have any more control beyond the yes. fact that he now owns the whole business. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing that has been a concern for small shareholders, let's call them small rather than minority, because yeah, yeah. clearly he's acquiring minority shareholdings. Yeah. So let's call it the very smallest shareholders. The Evertonians, who've, who've had a share in the family for ages because yeah. they want to feel that affinity with the football club. Those people, you know, have a fear that there is a little bit of accountability, mm. you know. Um, the association, which is often claimed to be the, the oldest in the world, you know, was founded in 1938 and is, is, is seen or expected to be seen as a bit of a watchdog, making sure things are done the Everton way. That, that's healthy, though, isn't it? It is healthy, yeah. And, and, and if, if an organisation or an individual can, can face um, challenge and, and, and treat, with it, treat it the same way that it, you know, it treats plaudits, then that's goodness. Uh, clearly, if Mr. Mashiri went over, say, 90%, he could compulsory purchase all the shares. Right. Um, and, and I say over 90, I can't remember what the Companies Act says right here and now, yeah. but there comes a point where he can force purchase of shares. And I think he needs, as a person, and based on what he said to me in the past, avoid a situation where people are being forced to sell their shareholdings in the football club. And I, for one, don't believe he'll ever do that. Mm. 
um, because the people who have those handfuls of shares, they don't want to run the club. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't want to have to be the person facing the masses of disgruntlement when things aren't going quite as they should. But they do want to continue to own that teeny weeny little bit of the football club. And if you think about it, um, 10% of the shareholding is around three, well, it is, it's three and a half thousand shares. Yeah. Yeah. So um, hopefully Mr. Mashiri, you know, stays true to his word and at least for as long as I'm around, there'll always be more than 10%, uh, going into <laughs> Dutch mode then, 10%, I yeah. thought it was Steve McLaren, <laughs> going into, um, you know, as, as long as I'm yeah. around and I, I'm, Planning on sticking around for at least another forty or fifty years, um, <laughs> that there will always be more than ten percent of the shareholding is with those long-standing Evertonians who just want to feel feel close. It, it just, just, just a lot, uh, last one on that one, John. It, it, theoretically, though, what what benefit would Farhad get in going to that point beyond ninety percent where he could compulsory compulsory purchase the remaining share? Is there any other than in the long term wanting to sell on and and and? get a return on his investment you know for somebody who's trying to run the football club influence it take it places etc is there any need to go above 90% or Um, it's it's a good question to be honest and you know I'd have to go and speak to my favourite senior partner at a a law firm who gives us advice (laughs) and guidance on the company's stuff Um, clearly if you're trying to sell something um, selling all of it is easier than selling 90% of it effective control and practical control of what counts really and he can say and do what he wants mm. um i don't know whether there's some legal benefits yeah I, off the top of my head i can't like i said if if, if for example if the, if the business ever did pay dividends then clearly all the shareholders share in that even though it might only be one person of who's course. made the difference yeah. so there's little things like that but I'm sure as we speak, there's somebody out there listening to this now going, oh, do they not know how, how it works? Um, I'm not a company lawyer. Neither, so I don't neither am I, John. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, don't care. No. <laughs> but as, it was just a, a theoretical... He's called Philip as well. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, that was just a, th- a theoretical... Just, uh, just yeah, yeah. That. You know, when, when we sat down um, 12 months ago, uh, one of the things that you'd, you'd said t- to us was that you were keen for a for the shareholders through yourself to get another meeting with Farhad. And I believe that in the summer that happened. Yes, it did. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's enthralling on one level, uh, meeting with the man, because he's very easy to talk to. Um, he's clearly, I think I've said this to you before, mm. but he's clearly a, a bit of a student of football. Absolutely. So yeah. he has an opinion on every player, whether they're at Everton or not. <laughs> he has opinions about managers. He has opinions about this, opinion about that, opinion about the other. And in some respects, it can be a bit difficult trying to get him to talk about the order of the day. Yeah. yeah? And, you know, and and, and I think each time I've I've been with him, it's been a a good while. You know, we're talking about an hour or two. Of course. It's not like a courtesy, you know, here's five minutes with with this very important man. Yeah. Um, So, yes, and and, and many things um, that we talk about. I mean, I always do some notes about it and they go out on the Shareholders Association website. There is things which don't go on that which I share with my colleagues on the executive committee. Mm. And there's probably little bits and bobs I don't even share with them because they're just, you know, they're going to get me now, aren't they? Um, <laughs> because they seem to have been a personal comment. Yeah, that's that, naturally. That, that shouldn't be repeated, yeah. 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 Um, so I think his heart's in the right place, yeah. And I think, and if I remember rightly, as part of that, um, please correct me if I'm wrong, did Farhad make a, um, 
a commitment or or, or a, a pledge to, to meet with the executive committee. He did, right? He did, and and again, that's one of the things that is always a challenge with the football club. You know, busy people and all that. Um, the last time I spoke to Bill, Bill's aware of that. Mm. Um, Farhad travels extensively. Indeed. Um, he's not in the UK, huge volumes of times. Um, to be more specific, he personally agreed he would meet with, the, meet, meet with the whole of the committee and we'd try and do that on a match day um, because clearly he's, he, yeah, of he comes to the game. Yeah. Um, and that's still on our agenda. And it, in fact, I've been tasked again quite recently by the committee to... They're, they're keen to have that Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Each time I speak to Bill, I remind him and Bill, I think I just have to take it as it's intended. John, I, I know. <laughs> I'm on it, yeah, you know. Yeah. But you don't tell a billionaire what to do, probably. Indeed. Yeah. But, in, but in terms of, of, of um, a healthy relationship, which Farhad seems intent on having with the rest of the shareholders, that would be an important step, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, meeting with the man annually, yeah, and to be candid, just with me, isn't really engagement with shareholders, is it? It's engagement with a shareholder um, who has the good fortune to be the chairman of, of the executive. But um, I think as and when he meets with the committee, which I do believe he will, uh, then he'll see a, a, you know, a broad church, really, mm. uh, everything from very positive to very negative and all points in between. Yeah. Uh, Typical just, Evertonians, in well, other words. Well, the full canvas of football in opinion, absolutely. Um, just finally, John, um, if we... If we uh, meet again in 12 months' time. Do you expect Farhad's shareholding to have changed other than beyond what has already been committed publicly? If, if, if I had uh, foresight such as that, <laughs> yeah, then I would have put my uh, my bet on both both Champions League games last night being draws <laughs> a bit earlier than I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, it wouldn't totally surprise me if he... If it crept up, it wouldn't surprise me if when the next accounts come out, it is, it is exactly as, as we anticipate it to be. I guess there'll be some announcements and those of us who monitor companies' house will, will probably see the share changes, uh, yeah, or certainly on the shareholder register and the yeah. like, come the summer. Um, I think one thing that I don't expect, because it would disappoint me, is any inroads into what we would call those true, you know, very small shareholders. In other words, if his, if his shareholding was to go um, beyond, say, 85%, 90%, whatever it is, yeah. that, that, that makes it compulsory or potential compulsory for him for, to buy, the, buy everybody's. I'm not intended to sell mine, and I'd be very disgruntled if I was forced to. Yeah. Excellent, John. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate that. You're very welcome. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.